Hmm. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> That's an oldie but a goodie. Have you seen that before? The Barry Bates offering linebacker. Oh, great. It's brand new. Again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're beginning a series today on giving. So don't worry, we're not bringing in Barry Bates offering linebacker uh, here to Sun West. Uh, but we will be going into a five-part series on giving. So today is part one of Right on the Money, our giving series. And uh, I'm excited to be sharing this material. I also have a special guest of honor today celebrating her 29th birthday is my wife, Tammy. So if you see her in the lobby, make sure you um, don't do the Barry Bates offering linebacker thing with her, but uh, offer her your greetings. We're going to do something a little different today as well. <clears throat> because this is a topic that um, stirs up a lot of questions and a lot of uh, consideration for folks, <clears throat> we're going to end the service today uh, with some question and answer time. So, at the end of the service, uh, don't, don't feel you need to shout out during the middle of the message and say, that's heresy, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. Uh, rather than shouting out such things, uh, you can wait till the end of the service and then just, uh, we'll do some Q&A. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. As I mentioned, this is going to be a five-part series. I'll be bringing you the first four parts. And then the fifth part of this series, uh, we're going to have the Reverend Clive Pick with us to share specifically um, a Sunday morning closing message. But he's going to stay with us. Uh, he's here Sunday morning, October 18th, but he's going to be here the evening of the 18th, 19th, and 20th uh, for a little mini conference that we're having called the Next Season conference just to launch us again we've just come through 20 years how many of you were with us last Sunday for our celebration service wasn't that awesome we're very thankful for what God has done in the last 20 years here at SunWest and we heard from our our founder and pioneer pastor Willie Reimer he brought a great word and uh, yeah, as we move into this next season Clive is going to help us launch into that season as he wraps up this series and then three evenings of special meetings we're not going to kill you or wear you out but we do have a gift for you the first 150 people that register for that conference get a free copy of his book open heaven so yeah just thought I'd throw it out now so you could mark it on your calendars. That's the weekend of October 18th, Sunday, and then Monday night, Tuesday night. So this is part one of Right on the Money. I don't hesitate at all to talk about finances uh, in, at a church level. I know at SunWest here we don't pass the offering plate, and we have a collection box just out in the, uh, the back lobby. But giving is something... Finances are something that are mentioned, are you ready for this? 2,000 times in Scripture. 2,000 times in Scripture, which is really something. That, that means that finances are mentioned more than bowling is in Scripture. Now, that's pretty significant. I mean, if something is mentioned more than bowling, that's for me, that's kind of the, the watermark, that's the watershed thing right there. Is if it's mentioned more than bowling, then it's a big deal. 
It's also mentioned more than asbestos. It's uh, mentioned more than the Portuguese language. So it's mentioned quite often, 2,000 times. And I believe there's a significance about scripture, and uh, we'll touch on this later, but Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And there's something about talking about finance. It really shows us what's in our hearts. And uh, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, God just wanted to know what was in my heart. Can I let you in on a little secret? He already knows. And a lot of times God will bring things up through the scripture, not so that he can find out what's in our hearts, but so that we can find out what's in our hearts. I want to launch into this series with perhaps the pinnacle scriptures uh, that talk about giving from Malachi 3. And I'd just like to read those to you. You'll see them on the screen. Return to me. And I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And this is what I want you to see as we launch into this, is that the key words as we develop these scriptures are an invitation from God to return to him, to come back to him. Hmm. But you ask, how are we to return and God again poses this question. Will a man rob God? Are you getting that word picture here? Uh, our stewards are offering scripture here. If you don't have a copy of the scripture, feel free to grab one. They'd be glad to give you one of these. If you don't have your own copy, feel free to keep this one. But here in the scripture, there's this incredible question. Will a man rob God? Can you imagine somebody pulling a knife on the Almighty? Your money or your life. Doesn't matter. I'm eternal. Like, what are you going to do? Are you bigger than God? Are you going to threaten him? Are you going to bully him? It's kind of an absurd question. Will, will a man rob God? And then this statement. Yet, you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And God responds, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. So there's this absurd word picture of trying to rob God. And how do we do that? In our tithes and offerings. And then there's this corporate thing going on. Check this out. The whole nation of you. There's a corporate dysfunction that's happening. And so here's the exhortation of the Lord in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Hmm. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Can we just say a quick word of prayer before we jump into this? Thanks. Father, we see your heart in this. We see an invitation 
to return to you. We see your heart that you want to bless us so much that we won't even be able to handle. We won't even have room for the blessing that you pour out on us. We hear your heart, God. It's a heart of care. It's a heart of compassion. It's a heart of love. Father, would you help us this morning to let down our defenses where we've become entrenched, where we have our own way of doing things, handling our finances, handling our budget. We confess over our lives, even over our finances, Jesus is Lord. We invite you to come and breathe life into your church today. And we pray with thanks in the name that's above all names, the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So I want to cover a very simple outline for you today. I want to talk about three things, the form, the fact, and the faith. This morning's message is brought to you by the letter F and by the number three. So here we go. First of all, I want to talk about the form. Malachi, in chapter 3, verse 10, shares the word of the Lord. The first thing he says is, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, the word here for tithe literally means 10%. It means a tenth. And that's what the word literally means, is tenth. Which is funny, I hear some people say, I'm tithing 5% right now. Or I'm tithing 2% of my income. Which is kind of odd because the verb to tithe means to tenth. So <clears throat> there's three things that I've learned about the mathematically challenged. One is they're not always exactly sure how to count. And number two is they're not quite sure what a tenth is. So those are the three things that I've learned about the mathematically challenged. But here, it's not just a formal expression of form. It's right off the top, right at the start, it's one out of every ten. I remember as a young boy, my parents used to give me a dollar for my allowance. Students, it was made of paper. True story. I never got a loony. Not even one time. They didn't have those yet. They hadn't been invented. Actually, I used to get paid my allowance in wampum. Um, <laughs> long story. But I would take that dollar and I would go, we had a variety store just a, a few doors down from our house and uh, I'd buy a chocolate bar for like two cents and uh, it wasn't quite that cheap, but it was about, uh, I remember chocolate bars being 15 cents and uh, I remember them being 10 cents. You get a soda and a chocolate bar for a quarter. <sighs> and then as soon as I'd broken that dollar bill, I'd take a dime and I'd put it in my left hand pocket. I put my money in my right hand pocket, but I put that 10 cents in my left-hand pocket. And when I went to church on Sunday, a week later, still probably wearing the same pants, 
I would reach into my left-hand pocket when they passed around the Sunday school collection plate, and I would put my dime in, because I knew that wasn't my dime. That was God's dime. That's, that's just how I was brought up. It just A simple principle is right off the top. I, I wouldn't give God four cents. I wouldn't give God six cents and say, well, I'm on a budget. Things are really tight. You know, there's... Uh, Sometimes there's money at the end of the month, but more times there's month at the end of the money. So I'm only going to tithe two. No, I would take the whole dime every time and give that to God. And even as a kid, I would see neat things happen with my money because I honored God first with the first fruits. So it was the whole tithe. But then the verse goes on to say, bring that whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse. Uh, now this storehouse principle is one of saving up. It's not one of hoarding. It's one of setting aside money for the kingdom. The storehouse. So that the important things of kingdom life can happen. Now, this may be a stretch for some of you, but I believe in the New Testament, this is the storehouse, the local church. It's a place where we bring our tithes and offerings so that we can affect kingdom purposes here on the earth. Now, I noticed something. My kids asked me last week or a couple weeks ago, they, as they occasionally do on uh, Wednesdays, Daddy, can we go to Burger King? So Wednesday's a good day to go to Burger King. I don't know if you know this teaching, but Wednesday is Whopper Wednesday at Burger King. So we get a Whopper and fries and a drink for five bucks. That's regular, I think, about $73. So it's a substantial savings. But as I go into Burger King, I notice, like if I ask for a Whopper fry combo thing, I don't make the request there, get the food there, and then walk out of Burger King, cross the road twice, and go over to McDonald's and pay there. You pay where you eat. I know that's really obvious, um, but there's some people in the kingdom that say, well, yeah, I go to SunWest, but I really get fed when I watch the Miracle Channel. I mean, that really encourages me. So. You know what, I appreciate what they're doing, but I believe here in South Calgary, if this is your home church, not if you're just visiting, if you're just visiting and you have another home church and you're just visiting here, if you want to put something in the offering, God bless you, that's great. But I would encourage you, whatever your home assembly is, to bring your finance there as, as a storehouse where you store up money so that the kingdom of God can be advanced in your community. And then the third thing I noticed from Malachi 3.10 is this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Here it is. That there may be food in my house. Food in my house. We're going to have a Q&A time later, but let me ask you a question now. Who is this food for? Anyone? Who's the food for? Everybody's a good guess. Anybody else? Widows and orphans. Widows and orphans, yes. They were also to get a tithe. Who else? 
Who's the principal tithe for? Food for who? Sorry? Priests. Priests. <laughs> it's neat when a lot of people say it because it kind of echoes. It's kinda... The food is for the priests. Actually, many times, offerings are to be brought and you're to place your hands on the head of the sacrifice. It's to be offered there. Live animals sacrificed in the presence of God in the Old Testament imagery. And then that food would be consumed on the altar. That meat would be consumed on the altar. The offal, the innards would be taken out. The fat would be taken off. That would be consumed in the presence of the Lord. And the leftover meat would go to feed the priests and their family. It's true of the burnt offerings, thank offerings, wave offerings. All these offerings offered to God, but there was actually something going on here. Yeah, there was an offering to God, but the fat and the guts, the part that nobody wanted to eat anyways, that would be offered to God. And the rest was a take-home treat for the workers. So I know, I know that you're thinking the pastors here, like, we'll leave the service today, you'll go off to Swiss Chalet, and we'll hang out in the parking lot, the pastors, by the ditch, you know, by the gutters, drink fresh water out of there, and ravens will bring us your Swiss Chalet leftovers. I know that's the thinking because we're so spiritual. This is what's going to happen. God will just supernaturally look after us, and, you know, Pastor Jeff will get up after the service, and somebody will have compassion on him and say, here, Jeff, I brought you a bag of lunch. And Jeff will take these five little buns and a couple sardines and he'll break them up and just distribute them to the staff and there'll be food left over. There'll be, I know that's the thinking of how God looks after the staff, but I believe this concept, food in the house, in the New Testament, we bring our offerings, ties. It looks after the servants of God. Now, a bunch of them are away this week, our staff at the men's retreat and as you know, as Tracy mentioned, a bunch of the men are away. But this is, the, this is the reality here, is that when you bring your offerings to the church, I know that's sacred money, it belongs to God, and we do steward it carefully. But God says, bring your offerings to look after those that are in spiritual leadership. I don't apologize for that. Nobody here is getting an exorbitant salary. The staff here, they work hard. They, they do their best to honor God in everything that they do, including all things financial. But it's a biblical principle. Bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So the thing that I hear most often about tithing is, well, <clears throat> it's, it's very much an Old Testament principle. You know what, that's, that's true. It is an Old Testament principle. Let's look at what Jesus taught in Matthew 23. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. And it's quite an exhortation. He's saying to these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, that they're giving a tenth of their spices. So you think about, have you ever seen mint? Anyone ever seen mint? 
comes in a little leaf, you know, about the size of a something small that's about this big. I'm sorry, I have no metaphor. A triangular quarter, rectangular, diamond-shaped. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's not a very big thing, but can you imagine you're harvesting your window ledge herbs and spices, and your mint plant yields 10 leaves, and you count off, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine leaves for me, one leaf for Jesus. And then the dill. How many of you have seen dill weed? I mean, this is even finer. It's like little whiskers, like little beard whiskers. Really, not that you would eat that. That'd just be gross. But you get these little dill, um, what do we call them? Sure, seeds. And these, these are really tiny. Again, like they're whisker size. Can you imagine counting off one, two, three, three, nine for me and one for Jesus. But then cumin, cumin is also a seed, but most often we find it here in North America in a powder form. So you can imagine getting your tunneling electron microscope and counting off 10 little grains for you. It'd actually, it'd probably be better to weigh it. So nine ounces for me, one ounce for Jesus. And, and Jesus says, you do that, you, you, you're so meticulous about tithing that you're counting off these little tiny harvests you get off your window ledge. But you've missed the big picture issues of, of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And Jesus says you should have practiced the latter, and he doesn't just leave it there. Look, look what it says at the end of the verse. Without neglecting the former. Jesus that is, Jesus Christ of Nazareth is commending the Pharisees, saying, you're so meticulous on the tithing. You should have done the big picture issues, yes, of justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former. He's saying you should have still done that. You should be so meticulous at tithing that even if you get an increase... In your window ledge spices, you're thinking, wow, that increase came from God. I'm going to honor him by giving him the first 10%. And he commend, you notice where this is found, eh, is in Matthew, in the New Testament. This is the teaching of Jesus. You should have tithed. And not just tithe, but he commends them for tithing meticulously. Hmm. Quick story. I get people ask me all the time, Mark, should we tithe on our gross or our net? Well, it depends. It depends. Like, do you want a gross blessing or do you want a net blessing? <laughs> like, it's your call. You, whatever, you re whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And uh, I, uh, like early in our ministerial career, my wife and I, we were getting car allowance on a regular basis. That was part of our income, and you know, we got our regular income, and we tithe right off the top. But our car allowance, we thought, well, that's just an expense, really. But I noticed at the end of the day, I was blessed because of that expense. I would get whatever at the time, I think it was about two cents a kilometer, um, when expenses, you know, when gas was a lot cheaper. But even after I paid my gas and my insurance and my car payment, I'd still be left with a little bit. And I thought, I don't know how much. It's like if I get $100 of expenses, 
probably spend an 80, so maybe 20 of that is profit, so should I tithe $2? And I thought, you know what? Rather than trying to figure this out, if my expense check is 100 bucks, I'm just going to give 10 bucks to God. And my wife and I started tithing on our car expenses. I mention that because, again, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We were generous with our car allowance, with our car expenses. And a year after we started doing that, we were given a car. Like, given a car. I felt like I was on the prices right. Mark Griffin, come on down! And it was just... I thought, boy, what a coincidence. We've been tithing our, our expense checks and can't really afford a second car. But somebody gave us one. Hmm, what a coincidence. I was lucky. I was very fortunate. And then I remembered this verse that if you honored God with your tithes and offerings... He'd throw open the windows of heaven and bless you so much, you wouldn't be able to handle it. That was the first car we were ever given. Of five. And we've always tithed on our car expenses. Remember a few years ago, I was out for a weekend preaching. And we just had one vehicle at that time as well. And as we came back from the weekend, I'd rented a car from Enterprise. I don't know if you know their slogan, at Enterprise, we pick you up. But then when you come back from the weekend, they don't drop you off. <laughs> so really what their slogan should be is Enterprise, we hold you hostage. <laughs> so I got a free ride to get the car, but... I called ahead and I said, can, can I get a ride home? And they're like, uh, sorry, we don't provide that service. I'm like, seriously? Wow. So I called some friends and said, hey, I'm coming back to town. And I can't get a hold of my wife. Is there a chance you'd come pick me up at Enterprise? <clears throat> they said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And they knew my story. I was away for the weekend preaching. And they're like, yeah, whatever we can do to help out, pastor, that's, that's great. So this particular enterprise location was at a car dealership. So as I come into the enterprise and I'm getting out of the car, I thought I saw their car come onto the property. But they went right past enterprise and went right into the car dealership. I thought, oh, great. So I go do the paperwork at Enterprise. I come back outside. I'm waiting. I text them. And they said, yeah, we're just a couple minutes away. We'll be right there. So then they come and they get me at the Enterprise dealership. And they said, Pastor, we, we don't think it's right that you be away for the weekend ministering and you have to rent a car. That just doesn't seem right. So We picked out a car next door at the dealership for you. It's, uh, it's there. It's waiting. It's paid for. Cool. I love it when people give you a brand new car. <laughs> and I, I hear people, you know, I tell stories like that. And that's, yeah, 
That's not the only. We have many stories of people giving us ridiculous blessings. And I hear people say, like, who does that happen to? Tithers. Because here's the principle. Is I believe I can get more done with 90% and the blessing of God than I can with 100% on my own. That is Bible math. I know, I know regular, normal math says 100% goes further than 90%, but can I tell you something? When you take away 10% and you're only left with 90%, but you just made God smile, that 90% goes way further. It's hard to find a day in my life where I'm wearing something or doing something that isn't somehow tied into the blessing of God. This blazer I got right here, 10 bucks. Like I get stuff like this. I know what you're saying. Well, it looks like it's worth 10 bucks. <laughs> I have truck seat covers that look like your blazer. <laughs> but about this, it's not used. It's not Value Village. This is brand new. I got four of them. Because where can you get four jackets for 40 bucks? I'll tell you something. Blessings follow tithers. And, and again, you're thinking, oh, that sounds superstitious. Oh, no, sorry. It's the Bible where God said, test me in this and see if I'm not going to throw open the windows of heaven and bless you so much, you're not going to have enough room for it. And again, the agrarian reference here in a culture that is mostly into farming, he says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. He's saying this, I'm going to make it rain. Yeah, like you go ahead, do your bit, take your seed, stick it in the dirt. Sunshine's going to come because, you know, it's a desert climate. But the game changer is the rain, right? That's, not, that's the one you're not sure of. You, you can count on the seed, you can count on the dirt, you can count on the sun, but the game changer is the rain. And I promise you, if you put me first, if you put 90% of the seed into the ground instead of 100 and take 10% of that seed and bring it to me, I promise you, I'll make it rain. And I hear people say stuff like, well, that doesn't apply to my life. Like, I'm in sales or I'm in gas and oil. And you know what? When, when prices are down, when the economy's slow, do all these hocus pocus, miraculous things, does that apply to me? I doubt it. Well, listen, if it applies about rain, it applies to you. Where God's saying to a culture that is primarily agrarian, I promise you, I'll make it rain. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what your family background is. It doesn't matter even if you're a pastor or not. I'm telling you, I promise you, if you honor God with 10% right off the top, not the leftovers, but right off the top, 10% God, it belongs to you. I promise you, he's going to make it rain. Even when oil is down to... $42 a barrel. He'll make it rain. Because that's his word. I mean, you can take that to the bank. I've seen countless stories of people that have honored God. Listen, it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's 
it's not just Jesus in the New Testament. Again, some people get hung up on this Jesus thing and say, well, he spoke that before he died. Technically, it's not New Testament. And technically, it's not Old Testament. It's, it's intertestamental. Jesus is in that in-between. So that promise is not really New Testament because he hasn't died yet for our sins. So let's look at what Paul has to say. Paul talks about the habit of giving. See how I did that with the nun and the habit. It's this thing she's wearing there. Tough, tough crowd. Here's what Paul says. So this, this one's totally New Testament. Here's what Paul says. On the first day of every week, which in the biblical calendar is what day? Sunday. First day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that Paul wouldn't have to take a further collection when he came. So here's what Paul is encouraging. He's tying into this Hebrew tradition. Hebrews, of course, would celebrate on the seventh day of the week. They called it Sabbath. We call that Saturday. And then on the seventh day of the week, being the Sabbath, they would do the tithe thing. Then now as Christians on the first day of the week, they're setting aside, again, they've, they've left the Hebrew tradition and now they're setting apart, check this out, setting aside a sum of money in keeping with their income. Another word for that is percentage. So again, you can argue New Testament, was it 10%? Was it 3%? It doesn't say they set aside a tie that said a sum of money in keeping with their income. I just want to suggest to you, people are creatures of habit. If they're setting aside 10% for their Hebrew tradition and they flip over to the Christian tradition, I suspect they'd just be carrying over the same tradition. So in the New Testament, it's not law. But in the New Testament, we get this implication where Jesus came and he just kind of went with the bare minimum and said, you know, it was said long ago, but I say to you, Jesus was forever taking it a step up. The law said, but then I say, if they gave 10% in the old, how much more then would they be giving 10% or more in the new. I remember meeting a man about 20 years ago. Very successful gentleman. And he said to me, Mark, I determined long ago when I was making, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, we would tithe. We would give five or six thousand dollars a year to God. That's things were tight, but that's what we did. And then as our income grew, he said to me, Mark, I realized we could live off seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year and live really well. And it was easy then to, to give seven or eight thousand dollars a year to the Lord. But as our income grew, Mark, my wife and I, we made a promise that rather than giving 10%, we would cap our income at eighty thousand dollars a year, and everything else went to God. I'm, just, I'm not saying this is Bible. I'm just saying this is what my, my friend did. 
His income grew and God blessed him to the point where he's making literally millions of dollars a year and living, on, living off 80000 adjusted for inflation. He still kept his household income under 100000 even though he's making over a million a year. He was called into a situation to negotiate between management and the workers in a major company. They were on strike. And my friend was a sociologist and he got called into the situation. And because of his negotiating skills, this, this company estimated they were losing several million dollars a day as long as they were on strike. And my friend goes in to negotiate a settlement between the union and management. He's, again, they've been deadlocked, I think, for, I don't know, a month or two. And because of the favor of God on his life, because of his gifts and wisdom, just a short meeting, he walks out and they've handed him a check. The gentleman who had accompanied him to this meeting was the president of Compassion International. And his friend was there on site, this guy from Compassion, praying, God help our friend as he negotiates. And when he walks out, he's got this check in his pocket. And he comes to the president of Compassion and says, hey, they gave me a check while I was in there. And he puts the check down, signs the back without looking at it, and hands it to the president of Compassion International. The president look at, looks at it and he sees the check made out to this gentleman's name. A check for a million dollars. And the president of Compassion International says, do you know how much this is? And my friend says, I don't know. And the president of Compassion says, it's a million dollar check. And my friend says, great, that'll feed a lot of kids. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having that kind of money that a million dollar check doesn't even catch your attention? I know that's a fairly extreme story, but it's true and I heard it firsthand. The lesson for me is when you honor God, He'll honor you. And go to the other end of the spectrum. I remember this lady coming to me. She's in a, the last church where I was pastoring. This lady was kind of rough background. Smoked her whole life like a chimney. And you knew because when you saw her, you could smell it. You could hear it in her voice. Hey, pastor, how are you? Seriously, her voice was totally eroded. But I love this dear lady. I remember she came to me and she shared with me some of her struggle. She said, Pastor, I, I'm on a fixed income. I, I don't know how I could possibly afford the tithe. But you have told us time and again that if we honor God with our finances, God would look after us. He would bless us. So, Pastor, I don't know how it's going to work, but... Because the Bible says so, and because you said so, Pastor, and I trust you, I'm going to start tithing. And it was tight for this lady. Like it, fixed income, estranged husband, 
living off a pension. I remember she came to me within the year of her beginning to tithe. And she said, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, go ahead, Gollum. <laughs> she said, my, my husband just passed away. I said, your husband? I, I, I thought your husband was long gone. Like, oh yeah, we've been estranged for over 30 years. It's a long story. She said, when he died, I thought for sure that was the end of my pension. I didn't know what I was going to do. I tried to contact them, had some difficulty getting a hold of them. Turns out they're paying all his funeral expenses, which is great because I didn't know how I'd cover any of it. And I asked them, so with my husband dying, does that mean this is the end of my pension? They said, uh, no, actually, you'll get his pension now. And this lady on a fixed income, all of a sudden, her income doubled. I'll never forget that Christmas. Me and all the other pastors on staff got a card from this dear lady. And each one of us got a brand new, fresh, crisp $50 bill. And she said, I'm so excited I can finally do something to bless the pastors. I'll tell you, I've gotten bigger gifts before, but there's something so precious about this coming from a widow who honored me and my family because she had that heart of generosity. We'll talk about that more next week, the heart of generosity. But I promise you, if you honor God, he'll honor you. So it's not just Old Testament, it's not just New Test intertestamental, not just New Testament. I, I want to focus on the, the heart of the matter. Here's the scripture I mentioned at the start, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And this is what giving, this is what tithing really reflects, is not what you can afford or what you can't afford. It, it really reflects how much you love God, how much you trust God. Again, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Like you can't, either you're going to love one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. It's, you can't serve both. You can't have it both ways. And in one of the gospel accounts, he says, like you can't serve God and money. I know that's a tough pill to swallow if you live in Calgary. I mean, this is a city that loves money. This is a city. I mean, there is money in this city. And God makes this declaration over our city like you got It's got to go one way or the other. Who are you going to Are you going to love God or are you going to love money? And Jesus makes it clear. It's a reflection of where your heart is. Again, the scripture we read earlier, Malachi 3.10, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room for it. That, that is the fact. If you honor God with a tenth, not, a, not, 
not 9%, not 8%. Not, he says, if, if you'll do the 10% thing, I promise I'm going to bless you. That's the fact. Galatians 6, 7, powerful universal law. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If, you, if you're sowing in fear, if you're saying, I'm only going to give 1% or 2% of my income, you reap fear. But if you sow with an open heart, God, I, I, I trust you. I, I can't really figure it out according to the math. But I'm going to, right off the get-go, I'm going to give you 10% of everything that comes in. That takes faith. Faith is the polar opposite of fear. And I'll tell you something. If you sow in faith, God is going to pour that back into your lap, pressed down, shaken together, and just running over. That's the promise of the word. That's the fact. It's not just about the form. It's not just about the fact. But I want you to see the condition of an open heaven is financial obedience. Returning to God what is already his. It's working out our faith. That's what it is. It's really at the end of the day, isn't it? It's about will we take that leap of faith? Will we return to God? Because essentially here's what, what's happening. When we keep 100%, we're saying, I'm cool, God. I got this. I'll put in a fiver on Sunday just to show my gratitude. That's tipping God, isn't it? It's like, thanks for your service, Lord. Here's a fiver. That's not what he's looking for. He's, again, 10%. Come on, that's a lot of money. That takes, are you ready for this? A lot of faith. Again, faith to say, Lord, I believe that if I lay aside 10% for you, for your kingdom, for Sun West, I believe I can accomplish more with 90% than I can on my own. That is a huge step of faith. So here's this tension between success and failure financially. And here's the question I have to ask myself. A question I have to ask God. If I'm not tithing, Father, I, I really don't trust you, do I? I might talk the talk. But if I'm going to function in scriptural obedience and give God 10% right off the top, like, do I trust him? Not just to make it up so I'm back at 100%, but do I trust him to, to move me beyond that? Because he said, open, like he promised he'd make it rain and that I'd have so much blessing I wouldn't be able to handle it all. Wow. Do I trust him that much? Do you? Now, having said that, 
You're always welcome at SunWest. Whether you give, whether you don't give, you're welcome here. Hey, we embrace all kinds of sinners. Can I be straight up with you as your pastor for a sec? Average churches in North America, 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. SunWest is very similar to that. If 100% of the people that, that call SunWest their church home, again, if you're new, if you're visiting, I'm not talking about you. Relax. But if you consider this your faith expression, your community of faith, if everybody had been tithing in SunWest's 20-year history, last Sunday as we celebrated our 20th anniversary, I crunched the numbers this week, and to the best, best estimate I could give, if 100% of us had been tithing the last 20 years, SunWest would be sitting on approximately a paid for, not least, a $23 million owned facility. I'm just saying. Not that property acquisition is our end goal. So if I could translate that into church plants, if in the last 20 years, everybody, everybody had been tithing, we could have planted debt-free 50 churches. That's a little sobering. Figure if every one of those 50 churches only had 100 people, that'd be 5,000 extra people in the kingdom here in South Calgary. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that 50 extra God-fearing, Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving churches in the south of Calgary. I, like, I don't know about you, but that excites me a little bit. Because we're still here. There's still a chance that 20 years from now, I'm not saying this is our goal, I'm just saying the possibility is 20 years from now, and I'm not saying any big church building focus. I'm just saying if we just tithed, if everybody in the room tithed. Look at that guy on your right. Is he tithing? That lady over on your left, if she, is she tithing? Wait a second. You. If we trusted God, do you know what we could, and, and I'm just talking basic stuff here. Do you know how many kids, starving kids we could feed and Overseas feeding initiatives, Mexico. You know how many houses we could have built in Mexico? Like it's amazing when you think about the potential. People every now and then will ask me, hey, are we ever going to get a young adult pastor? We're going to have a vis visitation pastor again someday? Again, if everybody was tithing, and here's the issue. It's not about the programs. It's not about the buildings. I'm just trying to throw out some concepts that you can equate to. If we trusted God and did things His way, 
Do you see what incredible potential there is to change this city? It's an amazing and wonderful thing if we just walked in simple biblical obedience what God could do. So let me just say a prayer and then we'll do some Q&A. Father, we hear your word and we hear the stories and we see the potential. But we're afraid. Because we've done budgets before. We've spent money before and it seems there's never enough. So Father, today we just come to you and say, please, would you help us increase our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need your help. Because by nature we are skeptical and sometimes even cynical. Help us, Lord. Help us to be people of faith, not fear. Help us to be people of courage who put you first in our finance, who honor you with 10% of our income, whether we're covenant community members or not. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Would you help us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added to us as well? Help us, Father. Help our unbelief, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So by asking a question this morning, I'm going to ask some of you to just be courageous because chances are if you have a question, there's somebody else that has the exact same question. And we're just going to take about 10 minutes before we uh, dismiss you in prayer. Daryl, could you give me a hand with this? Ladies and gentlemen, Daryl Dreer from Shine FM. <laughs> if you have a question, Daryl will be glad to take the microphone to you. Um, so I have a question. I have known people, family members that have tithed mm -hmm. faithfully for decades, 10%, um, who have not felt the reign of God. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess just what your thoughts are on, on how they would, how they would relate to this um, feeling like they've been faithful, they've given, um, and not felt the blessing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Because I've, I've been through the same thing, like my wife and I, ever since we were married, we've um, been faithful tithers, but I hear you, like there's, there's been seasons of unemployment. I mean, when you tithe on an unemployment check, there's... <laughs> Still not enough for anything. And uh, for me, it's like a long-term blue chip investment. Um, 
I believe by and large, even when, even when things stink, even when there's seasons of lack, season of unemployment, seasons of economic downturn, for me, I just, I look at the relative picture and I see people who are also doing great at certain times and then the downtimes, downturns hit and, and the hard times come and all I know is at the end of the day, like again, I hear people, I've heard churches, I know even SunWest has done this, the money back guarantee thing, like try the tithing and and generally there is, there seems to be an automatic blessing that comes. For some it's instantaneous, for some it's down the road. But I find long term, I'm blessed. Uh, a lot of it is perspective. Uh, because if you live here in Calgary, you're in the top five percentile around the world. Even if you're on welfare, you're in the top 5% of wage earners on the planet. And uh, just because you tithe doesn't mean you'll be healed every time. Doesn't mean there'll always be a big bank balance. But I do know if I wasn't tithing, I, I feel, that, I mean, this is my interpretation things would be worse. I mean, they, they might be bad, but I, that's just my feeling is if I wasn't tithing, things would be worse. Is when I'm trusting God, that's never a bad move. It's not a guarantee for financial success, but he did promise he would bless me. But I hear that's a, that's a, that's a great question doesn't mean everything is going to be all roses. My personal interpretation is it's just going to be better. Better than it would have been had I not trusted God. Great question. Anybody else? Comment over on the other side. My question is just in regards to the joy of giving. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think of, let's say, like a couple, um, how there's just this, this joy of, oh my gosh, I have this gift that I get to give to the significant other of, other of mine. Um, that's just, it's like, it's like the cost almost, um, mm. it, it doesn't, like it's not like this gut-wrenching, oh, I can't believe I had to buy flowers. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited to, to give this gift. Even though it did cost me something, it's actually such a joy. Mm -hmm. um, and so my question for you is, as you have been faithful, as you've been telling us, over uh, decades of um, opportunities that you've had to tithe to the Lord, could you just touch on, um, and I'm sure we will in the upcoming weeks too, but just for us today, could you touch on how your journey with the joy of giving has been for you? Mm. Yeah, it is truly more blessed to give than receive. I find this metaphor of giving, there's the joy of giving, but the, the recurring metaphor in scripture is that of, again, the agrarian culture, the sowing and the reaping. And I found that as we sow, and then you get increase, 
the tendency right there is to just get selfish and say, ooh, look, I got a reward. I, I sowed something and I got a harvest. And then keep it all and eat it all. But this is where the joy comes in, is we don't give so that we can get. It's not, again, it's not a replacement for earthly selfishness. Okay, I'm going to give, knowing I'm getting a kickback. Like, it's, it's not perpetuating the culture of selfishness. And this is where the joy comes in, is when I give to get, to give more, this is where the joy starts to increase. And I mean, when my wife and I were first starting out and I was living off a youth pastor salary and things were so incredibly tight and we would give anyways and we'd see God bless us. That was cool, but as the return has increased and we have more opportunity to give stuff away, it's we give to get. To give and then we get more and then we give more and then we get more and then we it's like this this upward spiral of joy in our giving and the more we give away the more we realize <laughs> doesn't like you can't outgive God I know that sounds kind of hokey or kind of cliche but it's true the more you give there's there's this increase of joy and, I, and again, I don't want to make this all sound like I'm just talking church here. I'm talking like a whole lifestyle. The more you learn to give, there's this greater kickback of joy. Even if there's not immediate financial return. I'm, I'm, like if you go out for lunch today and you're not a tipper, that'd be a good time to start tipping. Again, because those... Waitresses, I know some of them are working five, six, seven tables, and if each table's giving them ten bucks, you know, that's that's a pretty good return for them. They really don't need a big of a tip as you but here's the deal is that might be a single mom. This might be the only three hour lunch shift she's working this week. And if you're generous with her, I mean again, we, we don't know how far our money goes when we function in a biblical spirit of generosity. But as you do, whether it's, I'm not just talking your church giving, I'm talking your whole lifestyle. The joy just starts to get out of control. It's like this covert operation you're doing. Where can I bring life and encouragement today through my generosity? And no one even has to know. <laughs> like it's this wonderful life-changing opportunity to steward the resources that God has given us. And the joy is self-perpetuating. Again, we don't do it just for that kickback of finances or even just for the kickback of joy. But when we learn the spirit of sacrifice, we learn the, the joy of Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he put up with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of sacrifice. And it is, that's a great question. It, it's just this overwhelming sense of, hey, I get to be like Jesus. I get to be his representative here on the earth with what he's given me to give that away to help others. And it is. It's, it's a real kick. We'll take one more question if there is one. Would you say that when we tithe, God always returns it monetarily? Or would you say 
um, when we tithe, sometimes he will bless us in other ways, whether it's um, through family or through just different areas in our life. Mm -hmm. I think God reserves the right to bless us how he would like to. Sorry? Can I respond to that? Sure. Um, I felt God pulling on my heart for many, many years to tithe, and uh, I never did. And my husband and I have been trying to have a baby for so long. And uh, we had tried for four years. And the month after we started tithing, got pregnant. Wow. Boy, what a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you sowed money and you reaped a baby, <laughs> which has now taken all your money. what we call kingdom comedy is what we call that what, but what a powerful story you so was that a, a bit of a stretch for you to start tithing a bit of stretch of faith yeah and, and that's what I want you to see is when faith is involved without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him so yeah it, it can you can sow finance and sometimes you do I think generally you know you you sow orange seeds you reap oranges you put apple seeds in the ground you reap apples but God said here in scripture if you bring seed I'm gonna bring rain and I'm just gonna make your life increase and he blesses us with babies he blesses us with with health blesses us sometimes with finance God just delights in looking after us when we trust him. And can I just tell you something I'm working through is I've been praying into a situation for somebody to get saved. A very specific person. I've been carrying this in my heart for, I don't know, eight or ten months. And this week as I was preparing for the message, I... I mean, I'm, I'm already tithing. And then over and above that, you know, I'll give to missions and different things. And those are my offerings. They're different. Tithes is the first 10%. It's not like I give 10% and like 8 of that goes to SunWest and 2% goes to this mission. And, you know, it's the whole thing. My tithe goes to SunWest. And then everything over and above that is an offering. But this week I felt specifically to make an offering for salvation like I'm believe and I'm it's, and it's not like this like I'm gonna pay God an extra hundred bucks so this person can get saved for me here's the deal is I'm putting out a best expression a best intention of faith and I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is I'm sowing a seed and I believe if you're in a situation where you like you name your seed and say God I I'm going to start tithing, just believing that the relationships in my family are going to turn around. Or, or God, I'm going to give an offering to this church or, or to this mission or go ride my bike to raise money this afternoon for, for this missions agency. I believe if you name what you're sowing, I believe God will honor that. And again, I'm not saying we buy people's salvation or buy a healing. That is... Because again, it's not by works of righteousness that we've done. It's just according to his mercy. So when I sow a seed of faith, I say, God, this is just my heart. I'm just putting it out there. Would you hear my prayer?
And I'm just putting my money where my mouth is. Again, not trying to buy the favor of God. Because you know what? He already loves me. He already promised to, to open the windows of heaven. And can I just, can I let you know one more secret? My understanding of this opening the windows of heaven thing is if at SunWest today, 20 to 30% of us are tithing, I believe the windows of heaven, this is just my interpretation, I believe the windows of heaven are open 20 or 30%. And I believe if 40, 50, 60, 70% of this house started tithing, I believe the windows of heaven over this house would open 50, 60, 70% of the way. Because it's a corporate promise. And if you're here today and you're not tithing again, we accept you. We bless you. But I, I'm sorry, I cannot promise you the full blessing of God that he has in store for you. Because there's something so sacred when there's a corporate expression that says, God, not just a remnant, not just a few of us, but we as a body are working towards a place where all of us are trusting you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I want to invite you today to really give this prayerful thought and consideration I know some of you have been a part of this community. You've served, you've baked casseroles, you've visited, you've loved, you've set up, you've torn down. And again, we appreciate you tithing your time, your talents. But would you also consider jumping in with this financially? Because God asked for our finance. And again, can I say as a church, you guys have done incredibly well. I bless you for your faithfulness. I, I bless you for your consistent giving. Those of you that are on automatic withdrawal out of your bank account or off your visa every week or every month or twice a month, whatever you do, bless you for your faithfulness. I just want you to know we're doing okay financially. This isn't about me getting up and saying, we need your money. Come on, we're really hurting. This is about me getting up to say, as your pastor, I really want to see you blessed. I really want to see you blessed. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we receive your word today. As the psalmist said, your word have I hid in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. And again, he said, how can a young man keep his way pure? By heeding your commands. Lord, we say that it is a privilege and a delight to hear and receive your word. And I declare today a release of your blessing unto all those that would hear and do your word. I thank you that your word is eternally written in heaven. 
God is not a man that he should lie. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but your word, O Lord, stands forever. And you've promised to bless us. It's a fact. You said you would throw open the windows of heaven and bless us so much we wouldn't be able to handle it all if we honored you with tithes and offerings. So, Lord, we confess today that we trust you. And for those, Lord, that are thinking about it, I pray that, I pray that your courage would fill their hearts. That they would respond both to Sun West and the broader call to your kingdom. To function in all that we do, heart, soul, mind, and strength, with ridiculous generosity. We love you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.